recording in progress. Um, hello everyone, welcome to a very special episode of A Woman's Place. We are rounding up October with some very uh, spooky and Halloween themed um, podcasts. We have done two witch podcasts in the last um, month and what else do we do before that? Oh yeah, we did the nuns who are pretty spooky to be fair. So anyway, the season. Yeah, tis the season. I am Tina and this is Serka. 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 Um, hello and welcome. Thank you for tuning in. What are we going to and be talking about today, Serka? So um continuing on from our kind of spooky, we've spoken a lot in the last few podcasts about witches and witch hunting. Mm-hmm. And you probably noticed that we didn't mention very much about Ireland and that's because in comparison to the rest of Europe Ireland had relatively few witch hunts so Mm -hmm. if you think about mainland Europe at this time between like the 1400s and the kind of late 1700s over at least 50,000 witches if not 100,000 witches were put to death all over Europe Mm -hmm. Um, and England and Scotland had quite a witch hunting craze as we spoke about in our last podcast with King James I being like obsessed with witches and so they had um kind of periods of like extreme violence towards witches and then it would kind of calm down again but Ireland didn't really have that and we were just going to kind of explore why so um that's kind of just what I wanted to do and and kind of have a look at it so one of the kind of first things um is that Ireland was never inhabited by the Romans so Ireland um the Romans came to Britain in like 55 BC and they beat the Celtic tribes of Britain and then their culture supplanted Celtic culture in their cities and in bigger towns. And then when the fall of Rome happened, like 500 AD, the Anglo-Saxons came to Britain and they were from like the, nor- the stirrups, northern Europe. least we forget. Yes. On the yes, stirrup. Indeed. If you don't know how now they got here, they got it here by the stirrup, which is an invention. You should check out our podcast on um, uh, technology always leads to more violence and find out why the stirrup was responsible for the fall of the Roman Empire. Well, not the fall, but the invasion of England anyway. But anyway, continue there. So um, when the Anglo-Saxons took over Britain, like they obviously brought bits of their culture and it even kind of further supplanted the Celtic culture that was there. So Mm -hmm. it really only thrived in um, Scotland and Ireland and a little bit in Wales. Um, But what we saw then was um, Ireland kind of flourished as a place of its own Celtic culture up until well into the 11th century, really. Um, Even when we were Christianized, they... Our, our beliefs were so intergrained that the Catholic Church, well, the church at the time basically was like, you know what, you can have some of them, like you mm-hmm. can actually have quite a lot of them. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But um, the church had to just meld the two together. They really didn't have um, any choice because they they needed the people to convert them. This is the easiest way to get them to do it. Mm-hmm. So like from the coming of Christianity right up to, as I said, the 11th century, um, there was a kind of an, an allowance made for people, if that makes sense. So like if you wanted to worship, as long as you as long as you worshiped God somehow, they were kind of really not bothered, if you know what I mean. They were just like, look, he's he's fine, leave him, leave him alone. Whereas in other countries, it was very um stern, like you had mm-hmm. to do it in a specific way, you know? Mm-hmm. 
So set apart from Europe by this lack of Romanization, the Anglo-Normans came to Ireland in the um, in the 12th century. And what they found was that the native people of Ireland had no predisposition towards the view of a witch as an emissary of Satan. Just didn't occur to them that a witch could could have anything to do with Satan. They considered them to be two totally different um, areas, you know. Right, okay. And they also, the Irish, believed in the supernatural for good and for bad. Whereas in Europe, as we spoke about our last podcast, it was very much turning towards the bad only. Mm-hmm. So the real heyday of witch hunting didn't begin until after the Black Death. And during the Renaissance and up until the Reformation, there was only one Christian church. But after the Reformation, the Roman Catholics persecuted the witch because the pontiff, the Pope, stigmatized her as a heretic and an associate of Satan. And because Ireland had a Catholic majority and a Protestant minority, what you end up with is people kind of taking sides, if you know what I mean, um, about their beliefs and holding on very strongly to their beliefs and their religion. And because of the kind of constant turmoil and clash of war, there was no opportunity for this witchcraft idea to come to maturity here, like it came to maturity in, in Europe. And the seeds of these ideas weren't ever planted because they were actually just trampled into the earth by the feet of all the people that died in those wars. And even though the minority of Protestants firmly believed in witchcraft, it wasn't enough to spread the belief throughout the Catholic country, mm. as well as that Ireland was a really rural country. Mm-hmm. So just spreading information is harder. Mm-hmm. And comparatively to the rest of Europe, we had no witchcraft literature. So like the Malfesus Malcarium, like that inspired pamphlets and more books and, you know, um, like posters to be glued up on walls of all of these things that you should watch out for in a witch. But they never came to Ireland. We actually only have one single solitary pamphlet that was ever found in Ireland. And we don't even know if it was printed here. One single solitary one that we shared. Yeah, and it probably came from England or Scotland. Yeah, like yeah. we didn't have a ruling body that was going out telling people to be fearful of witches or going out telling people to be on the lookout for witches, because instead we had fairies. Right. Okay. So, like on mainland Europe, loads of cultures have fairies, but they also have witches, and also had a, like a witch hunting craze. Whereas Ireland did not have a witch hunting craze because there was not really a belief in witches because of this very strong belief in fairies. Okay, so there was no need for witches because they already had, like... There was no need to to blame witches because they already had the fairies to blame. Like, there were lots of white witches Mm -hmm. across Ireland and, like, really important healers and stuff that people would go to see. But they weren't in any way associated with the devil or anyway associated with poor fortune they were only ever associated with you know good things like healing and stuff whereas the fairies in Ireland are very much associated with bad things and sometimes associated with good things it's very heavily weighted in the bad thing so unlike other traditions around the world um our fairies don't um kind of fall under that neat little package of like you know a small human who has wings and is benevolent and is usually in the shape of a lovely looking woman Mm -hmm. 
you see those fairies and, and I know now a lot of fairy tales have been very Disneyified, but you see those kind of representations in fairies in Germany, um, in fairies in France, that they're and in fairies in England, that they're kind of small, perfectly proportioned women who have <laughs> wings and are usually pretty and are usually doing something nice for the person. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Like fairy godmother, when exactly. Wendy, who's the small little one in Peter Pan? Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell. Yeah, yeah, they're all yeah, and yeah, they're all nice, you know, yeah. and they all kind of follow the same follow the same um image, but not in Ireland. So for this for for the first thing anyway, like fairies is a modern word, and Ireland Irish people, Irish speakers would not refer to um to them as fairies ever. They would refer to them as Nadini Maha or Nadini Ushla or the ASC. So Nadini Maha just means the good people. Okay. Nadini Ushla means the noble people. And the Aeshi means the people of the mounds. Okay. They, there's this very strong thread throughout Irish folklore to do with fairies in that you never want to give them cause to interfere in your life. So the idea is that if you if you call them fairies it's kind of like an insult and so instead they call them noble or good or even just the other folk um hoping that if they hear you this wouldn't make um them angry lmao like he you know he will not be uh, he who will not be named only you know what i mean it kind of yeah it's kind of like yeah, very much so it's very much like this magic of like speaking speaking something you know the the magic of words being really important and you definitely see that a lot of the irish language in general you see people their irish is a very um can be a very cryptic language mm -hmm. like something means something completely different um, than the literal translation so i think that's that's part of our kind of culture in general to be kind of not 100 percent straight with people if you know what i mean Right. like not a hundred percent um yeah i just i just kind of think you see it a lot in the irish language where um there's words that have a totally different meaning when you use them in a different way um even it's the fact that like, like i mean obviously we, not sorry no go on uh no no, no you continue and i'll make my point after I was just saying, like, even the fact that, say, there's a couple of verbs in Irish and each verb has, like, 20 different meanings, depending on the way you use it. But it's the right. same verb. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was just saying, sorry, you were delayed there, so that I thought you weren't speaking. Um, the, you know, the way they say, don't don't speak ill of the dead, like, my mother would be very, 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 like, like, no matter what they did, she would be like, don't speak ill of the dead, you know? And it's like, it's beyond just respect you know in some ways it's 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 kind of like superstition it's superstition because honestly you could be talking about someone who was like really bad like don't speak Ill of the dead now that's obviously global it's not just specific to irish people but it's such a bizarre thing i think personally because it's like there's something behind that that's like oh they'll come back and get you if you speak badly of them you know i think there's a definite sense of that i mean mm. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, so the fairies were in folklore, they are supposed to be a supernatural race, like comparable with kind of like elves. Mm. Um, but they're very different from what you find in Britain or the continent. They are said in the Irish um legend to descend from either fallen angels, which is a hundred percent a Christian attempt to try and um religiousify them, 
Mm-hmm. That's not even a word, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, or they descend from the two of the Donna who constitute like the pantheon of Celtic gods. So like the gods from pre-Christian Ireland, so like Bridget and Lowe and uh, Baylor and all of the races that came before um, the people of Ireland. So we have this book in Ireland called the Lower Gabala Aaron and it's the book of invasions and it was written in like the 11th century but the stories are from much 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 earlier and obviously like a kind of game of Chinese whispers um, the stories have changed over time so we don't know what the original myth or legend was but the idea was that these two of the Donna inhabited Ireland until they were defeated by the Milesians who came from um, Spain and Portugal, particularly like the Galician coast of Spain. And they beat the two of the Donna and forced them to retreat underground um, into their fairy forts. But we know them now from archaeology as burial mounds of the Neolithic people of Ireland. So okay. like um, Newgrange would be the biggest example of one of those burial mounds and you see them dotted all over the countryside and basically all they are is just a little hill in a field sometimes and sometimes they're quite large um mounds in in a field but they're they're everywhere I, I know for a fact that every child in Ireland who lives outside the city has seen one um at some stage there are so many of them in fact that the um the office of public works the people who are in charge of the national monuments office they can't they don't even know how many there are in Ireland they really? can't give you an accurate figure no they can't give you an accurate figure same way they can't do with portal dolmens or cork cairns because there are just so many of them really oh. it's so yeah it's mad isn't it so if you think like Ireland is obviously a really rural place but like every town every village every tiny cluster community would have had a fairy fort somewhere around them and they didn't know where they came from. They didn't know about their Neolithic ancestors. They had no idea. And so they they decided that that was where the fairies lived. Okay. Um, the idea was that they stayed under there for most of the time in a kind of parallel universe called Anselella, um, mm-hmm. or the other world, which is the Celtic tradition of, of the other world. Um, a little bit like what the Norse have, uh, like Valhalla, where uh, some of it is lovely and beautiful and all your heroes and ancestors are there. And then some of it, not so much, not so beautiful and uh, not such a fun place. Um, and that's called Chuck Doing in Ireland, as protected by the god of death, Dune. And I was sorry we spoke about this before in the podcast, but they believed the portal to the other world lay on Bull Rock in off the coast of Cork by Dursey Island. Wow, close, convenient. Yeah, exactly. Very convenient for us. There's um there's a beautiful sea arch there. And like it looks like a portal to another world because there is nothing beyond it but blue, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next parish America, like. So it's <laughs> it's gorgeous. But that was what they kind of believed. That they, most of the time the fairies stayed underneath the mound, but that they could come out. And if they did come out, you wouldn't want to be talking bad about them and let them hear you. Mm-hmm. And the days when they tended to come out the most were May 1st and October 31st. Okay, May 1st and October 31st. And that coincides with, is it Bielsna and Samhain? Yes, exactly. Interesting. So, okay. 
these are also times, as we know, that um, there would be like a lot of festivals going on at this time. And like, as we spoke with before in this podcast about the whole idea of Samhain is because the wall, the ethereal wall between the two worlds is so thin. Mm. And around these two dates in the year, you would have to mind yourself a lot and you would have to kind of perform certain rituals that would protect you from either bad spirits who are coming back from the other world or fairies. Okay. So we're going to talk about some of those in a minute. And why is that then? Maybe because people were like up to no good or something. I think that there was an idea that, you know, um, if you had ever wronged anybody, that that was the night when they might come back and decide that they were going to get you. Or it could be that um, there was an idea that this, especially around October 31st, that this is the end of the year, like the, it's the end of your working year, essentially. Mm-hmm. Your harvest was in, it was time to settle in for the winter and, you know, everything is now going to die and be mm-hmm. reborn. And so I think that a lot of people saw that at that time as well, of a kind of a settling of death's time as well. You know, like if, you, if someone had a problem with you, the chances are that they want to get rid of that problem before the new year. And okay. to our Celtic ancestors, Samhain was the start of, of the, the kind of um, the new year, really, because your working year was over, if you okay. know what I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. New year, like the, 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 I think it's Cambodian New Year is in April and May. Um, and I, I suppose there's probably definitely something to do with their with the farming because of that mm-hmm. because they're quite a rural they're quite a rural um country as well aren't they I know they have big cities now don't get me wrong but there's a lot of people still live in the countryside yeah um, they're not big farmers though okay I don't know <laughs> you're the expert now on on uh, that part of the world and, um, yeah, um, yeah. so back to the fairies Back to the fairies. Um, so one of the one of the resources I used in collecting all this information is Dukas.ie, which is a collection of um, folklore. So in 1930s, the Irish Folklore Commission, in a fervent kind of um, mad dash to preserve history, they um, asked school children all over Ireland, primary school children, to go home and ask their oldest people in their families, what are your stories, you know? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stories collected were about fairies. A lot of them were very normal stories as well about how best to whitewash a wall. But inevitably, <laughs> there were stories of um, supernatural. So some people say that the, the fairies look just like you and I, um, except for the fact that they have an odd look in their eye. OK, so that was some people's accounts of it. Other people said that they were small, no more than three feet tall. Um, and that their clothing was very old fashioned and their features were ugly. And then other people said that they were beautiful beyond belief. So there is a lot of different um, opinions out there about what they actually look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the Irish tradition, the, the idea is that the fairies by and large are dark and malevolent and interference with them or by them will make or break your family's luck, health, livestock, home or fortune. And so people began doing kind of whatever they could to appease the fairies. Okay. And I mean, like things that I suppose other people might find very odd. So one of the things that you will see dotted all over the countryside of Ireland are fairy trees. Mm-hmm. And um, they tend to be hawthorn trees that are planted near oak or ash. 
And what you'll find is that um, a lot of people refer to them as white thorn trees because in the spring, their um, flowers are white and they coincide perfectly with Bialtana when they bloom. And so they would have been a very, um, they would have been a sign to everybody that Bialtana is coming. And there are dozens of them across every county in, in Ireland. And it's kind of a thing that when people go there, they want, they want to ask for something. So they'll go to these trees and, and they'll ask for a healing or a favour or they'll pray for somebody and they'll tie something around the tree to give to the fairies. Mm. So usually it's a rag or a ribbon of some sort. And <clears throat> if you go to... A lot of places where there are fairy forts or standing stones, such as Locker in County Limerick, you'll find a big old hawthorn tree there would have to be, you know, 100, 200, 300 years old. And they're covered in rags and dolls and um, holy water and religious medals and money and all sorts of things are placed onto this, onto and around this tree to ask for the favour of the fairies. And I think people outside of Ireland would find that a bit odd. Yeah, for sure. Particularly when we tell people that um, one of twice roads have been diverted to avoid going through a fairy tree. Yeah. One of them, one of them is the uh, Ballymena to Antrim motorway. Yeah. And the motorway, other one was yeah. the, the other one was the Edis bypass. And People weren't having it. They were like, you are not cutting down that tree, but it's not happening. And the government rerouted the roads for a tree. So, you know, people outside of Ireland might find it funny, or even some people in Ireland would find it funny if you say to them, like, um, that, that fairies are real or whatever. But then if you ask them, would they cut down a fairy tree or a fairy mound or, or a fairy fort, they'd say no. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I grew up in a farm. So the fairies and the fairy forts would have been... a. a, a it was just something, I suppose, because this might be a, a bit of insight towards the whole fairy thing, like because of accidents that happen on the farm. So, um, like, I think it was attributed to the fairies, you know, like um, I, I remember more than once my mother coming to tell me like, oh, you know, John Joe Jimmy Buckley was up there in the in the in his in his uh in the field. And you know the way he now has a has a fairy fort. There's a fairy fort there in the field. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was well, he went temperate anyway and he took it down. And next week didn't the tractor roll over him. Um, and these are stories you hear repeated mm-hmm. across Ireland. Mm-hmm. Like I know a fella personally know a fella who did a very similar thing he bulldozed a fairy fort and he built a house on top of it and um the house flooded the very first year that very first winter he spent in the house the entire house flooded like I'm talking four or five feet of water <gasps> savage really and he, yeah the house is ruined it's absolutely ruined like he doesn't ruined. even live there anymore oh my god yeah. stop in that 1992 is... you know Sean Quinn of uh Quinn Quinn insurance and mm-hmm. Quinn concrete and Quinn yeah. everything else he gave the go-ahead for a 4,000-year-old Neolithic burial tomb to be relocated to make way for a quarry for Quinn Concrete. And you know what happened to him the next year? What? He went bankrupt. No. Yeah. No, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So, how do you avoid this? 
how do you avoid this? Well, so for, according to farmers, you just don't, you just don't be touching them. It's you don't be touching yeah, yeah. Don't touch them and don't walk in them. Mm. Like don't, don't go through the circle. Same applies to standing stones. Like that shit's old magic. I'm not fucking with that. Do you know what I mean? I I I love standing stones. I think they're beautiful. I go and visit them if, if they're ever ever staying anywhere near one. Same with portal dolmens and stuff. Don't be going near. Don't be going inside them. That's not for you. Just leave it alone. Do you know it's not worth it? Like mm-hmm. it's not fucking worth it. So there's a few from around Ireland, and one of them is that if you're building a new house, you have to make sure that the fairies don't mind you building a house there. Mm-hmm. So you'll place something on the site that you want to build on in some in some counties it's a spade that you stick a spade into the ground in some counties it's that you build a small circle of stones in the middle of the site and in other counties it's things like you leave a bottle of whiskey out for them and things like that but the idea is is that if you come back the next morning and everything is where you left it then the fairies are chill and they don't mind you building the house there but if you come back and the shovel has fallen over or there's a stone out out of place don't do it. Mm. Don't build there. Just don't tempt your don't tempt fate. Right. Another thing would be that um, people in rural Ireland would never have thrown dirty water out of a door or a window at night, because nighttime is when the fairies come out. And if you accidentally poured dirty water on a fairy, they could they could come for you. Like right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A hen, a hen, a pig, a cow or a child could sicken and die, and so they wouldn't do that. And this is actually my favourite one here now. Um, in most rural houses um, in Ireland, the only source of heat was a fire, and at night they would let the embers um, go down, but they would never let the embers go out. Mm-hmm. They would smother the flames of the fire and not let the embers go out. And this custom was fortified by the belief that the fairies would be displeased if there was no fire for them through the night. And okay. several claims are made in this folklore commission on Lucas.ie that some fires had not been allowed to go out for over a century or as far back as the, at the oldest living member of the family could remember. What? And I actually, this is the funniest thing is because my grandmother, God rest her soul, I remember when she used to go to bed, I used to be fascinated with what she did with the fire because in our house, the fire died before you went to bed. Do you know, like in my house with my parents, my mother would make sure that the fire was almost completely dead before we yeah. went to bed. Whereas my grandmother would put more coal on the fire at night. And I always just assumed that it was because she wouldn't have to work as hard to get the fire going in the morning. Oh, no, 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 no. This is why she was doing it. For the fairies. For the, well, I don't even know if she knew it was for the fairies. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But all her life and all through her life as a child, the fire in the house never went out. Whoa. Never. That so I don't know if she crazy. just kind of associated it with kind of superstition, like that's bad luck, or if she specifically associated it with the fairies. Do you know what I mean? That is, how long did you say? Half a century? Oh, in this, it, on this folklore commission, it says, that some pe- people, like people in their 80s, said that the fire in their house when they were children and up to now have never gone out. Has never gone out. She's just like the Olympic torch. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Like the fairy Olympic torch. Wow, that is wild. And then we have like the dark shit okay. that um, people kind of overlook um, 
mm-hmm. when they talk I think especially people who aren't from um, a culture that has fairies kind of like we do like when they're from a culture that maybe fairies are nicer and whatever when they hear this they're like oh Jesus Christ so basically um it was really important for um for newborn babies pregnant women and newly married women to um not be fussed over too much so yeah. there was a that makes there sense was an yeah. yeah don't fuss was, over them <laughs> don't fuss over the newborn they don't need babies. any attention no yeah go on there was this kind of idea that if you fussed too much over um a woman who was pregnant or getting married or just married or a baby that the fairies would come and take that baby or harm or take that woman okay like admiring or envying someone was very dangerous Mm -hmm. so tying into the last conversations we were having yeah go on yes so basically um they they were believed to be very very liable to being um taken by the fairies and replaced with a fairy and this is known as the changeling Mm -hmm. so the human child or adult goes to the other world under the burial mounds with the fairies and there's a fairy in their place who looks just like them is the thing okay is the back of the person Mm -hmm. um so the there were there's various pieces of advice on how to kind of um get your child daughter wife whatever back um and one of them is that you have to try and outsmart the fairy trick the fairy so obviously babies don't talk right but fairies can talk so if you could trick the fairy into talking then he would admit that you'd outsmarted him or her and they would get your child back for you um, and that that was there's several accounts of that. Um, one in particular, one woman, um, she outsmarted the fairy by uh, baking eggshells and into a cake and trying to give it to the baby. And then the baby fairy eventually got so annoyed that it was like, you can't feed me these. And the mother was like, aha, I have you. So there is a good few instances of that kind of um, outsmarting or tricking of the fairy. And then. One of the other ones was um, putting the changeling in the fire, right? Which I just, mm. I, I don't know who came up with that fucking idea. Like, if you think it's a changeling, put it in the fire. Because, you know, if it's a human, it'll just die. Like, yeah. yeah, not good. And there's actually a particularly horrific story around that kind of tradition. And it's the story of a woman called Bridget Cleary. So have you ever heard of Bridget Cleary? Yeah, I know the, the the rhyme. Are you a witch or are you a fairy or are you the wife of of Michael Michael Cleary? Cleary. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening and maybe aren't from um Ireland or are and haven't heard the story, um Bridget Cleary in uh, 1895 is a 26 year old beautiful independent mining woman who disappeared from her home near Clonmel in County Tipperary. Mm. Her relatives claimed that the fairies had taken her, but they found her charred remains. Mm-hmm. The truth that emerged was a kind of a toxic mix of illness, superstition, folklore, and a suspicion of women, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cleary was a self-employed dressmaker, and she was one of the first women in the town to kind of um, have a proper sewing machine, and uh, she enjoyed quite a lot of male callers. 
Um, and there was affairs that she was, or sorry, there was rumours that she was having an affairs with people, but she kind of really surprised everybody and ma- married this guy called Michael Cleary, who was 10 years older than herself. And she was then kind of struck down with an illness, probably looking back on the notes, pneumonia, but they didn't know at the time. And her husband and her family were so shocked by her changed appearance that they convinced themselves that she had been taken away and a changing had been brought back in her place. Mm. In the course of trying to determine whether the sickly Bridget was really his wife, Michael Cleary exploded in a rage and held her over the fire until she burnt to death. Uh. There's kind of an even sadder thing about this is that uh, in the days after her death, Michael got up in the morning, got dressed into his best suit and went and stood outside the local fairy fort waiting for her to come out. So, like, that was 1895. That's not that long ago. And one of the things that I find so interesting about this belief and superstition that people still have around Ireland is that, um, as we've probably said before, there was no industrial revolution in Ireland. So if you had come to Ireland in 1900, if you'd just been in London in 1900 and you came to Ireland, you would think that you had stepped back at least 100 years in time. Mm-hmm. London was London had trams and buses and cosmopolitan and even in the countryside they had proper tractors and they had modern ways of farming and modern ways of rearing cattle and when you like proper you know proper milking proper distillation proper everything and then you came to Ireland and you were like whoa these don't even have tractors mm-hmm. the postman is still delivering on donkey back mm-hmm. like it was like stepping back in history and so when Ireland really came into the 21st century, which didn't happen until about 1980, right? We went from we went from like the 1800s to the 2000s in 50 years mm-hmm. instead of in 200 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the, the development of Ireland happened so rapidly that a lot of these superstitions and beliefs are still really strong today. So we have the same thing. Um, let's talk about fairy trees earlier. The same thing with holy wells. Mm-hmm. So there's loads of wells all over Ireland and the water in those wells is attributed to like a certain saint. And there is a very strong belief around them as well. Um, there's really strong, like some people have really, really strong superstitions here. And I just wanted to go through a couple of them. It's kind of a lighthearted way to end after, you know, that woman got burned to death. Wait, I just um, wanted to say, just before you get into the lighthearted on. stuff, let me get into the, I'll, I'll, I'll um, speak a little bit about the dark stuff as well. I think, I don't believe it was the same story, but... Uh, about Michael Cleary but I remember reading a paper I think it was 19 it was like 1916 1917 I think or no 1921 1922 um, because I was reading papers you know they do like a paper a day a hundred years ago on the Irish Examiner and uh, I uh, and a story was like this guy was being brought up for killing his wife and his thing was that like oh there was fairies inside her like there was he, he was trying to get the fairy like it was because she had fairies inside her so it was like being used it was a, a, a common belief even up until then and just a quick note on like the in Asia ghosts rather than fairies are seen as very powerful and um people there like what you talk about like the the development 
um, you would see this very, like, I'd say if you went to Cambodia today, it would be like going to Ireland when you were speaking about like in the in the in the seventies or eighties, where you have this rapid development, but they still retain a lot of this old superstition and um, stories and tradition and ways of living. Like you, the reason you burn, like if you ever seen a a an altar, if you go to to Cambodia, they have you have the Buddha and you have incense and you put like food out for the but that's for the spirits that's not for ghosts but you put food out and like that's very so much practice but ghosts specifically like there's such a thing as ghost house and um they I had a friend for instance who was haunted with really really bad dreams and he was convinced he's Irish now and he moved to Cambodia he was convinced that he had ghosts in the house and he got in like a witch doctor to 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 uh, get the ghosts out. And he hung this thing up in their roof and he said it never had ghost sense. Uh, and they would threaten the children with ghosts. You know what I mean? Like the ghosts will get you if you don't be good. You know, this kind of way. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's... what you just said reminded me there actually of um, the other type of fairy that we have here. And it's a banshee. Mm-hmm. So you earlier I was talking about the Aishi so the people of the mounds so this is the banshee like a female person Mm -hmm. of the mound a female fairy and the idea is basically in rural Ireland that um I'd say up until maybe 60 or 70 years ago uh, there was a really strong belief that if you heard a woman keening um, in the night and keening is a really long drawn out kind of um, expression of grief so Mm -hmm. it's like a, a wail Mm-hmm. essentially um and would have been absolutely paramount to all Irish funerals and burials of mm. before the 1900s in fact people would hire keeners to come to keeners, funerals yeah. if you didn't have a lot of female relatives to do it but the idea is that the banshee you hear her keening it means that somebody in that house is going to die mm-hmm. um that that night and even a leprechaun is just now he's supposed he's he's another uh, Aishi like he's just another type of fairy so what you were saying there about the kind of the ghosts and the spirits I know that they're the they have a certain belief that um leaving the food out for the spirits but is a ghost an angry spirit in Cambodia or is it someone who's unhappy or it's it's not that it's an angry spirit it's that it is a I would have said it was angry just that it was bad like they're bad the ghosts are bad like they they are going to do bad things to you okay and the spirits aren't is it the spirits aren't no 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 the spirits are kind of like the spirit is like I think it's just Buddha hey like I'm not sure exactly okay so when you put out food um you're you it's like an offering um whereas the ghosts is like they could be haunting your house or they could be um yeah I actually have a note here because I I tended I I I have I'm I'm in the um Irish folklore page on Facebook if anyone um wants to join it it's actually very interesting people putting stories but like I also what's that name of that really famous um uh fairy um storyteller Eddie Linehan. 
Mm-hmm. I, I listened to him one night and he was telling this story about um how you be led astray if you go through the like the, the stories of like people being led astray as they cross the field and that the fairies would catch you if you're walking across the street, a field during the night so what you had to do so that you wouldn't be led astray is like turn your coat inside out and, and to put one foot foot on the wrong foot put one yeah. shoe on the wrong foot yeah 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 and then and then I have a note here that the hungry grass someone if someone died during the famine um oh yeah so like it was a it was a it was a type of fairy that that was from someone dying during the famine and you'd have to put a piece of bread in your pocket in order to feed the hunger um so yeah, yeah there's and a I few he that. has loads I think anyone wants to find more about fairy stories um go check him out because uh he could tell he's them. just a legend yeah yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah, just sure. an absolute legend he's like the last of his kind he's amazing mm-hmm. but you you do see that um there's a, a lot of fairy stories that are kind of tracked back to the famine like around the famines the first time that people started hearing them are so dark like really so dark all about the banshee and all about like um just like terrible omens um and some people like um during the famine and, and after the famine some people claim it was the fairies that they were actually having a war and that's why the potato crop failed because they went out and they went to war and used all of their magic all over Ireland. And when the magic fell to the ground, it destroyed the potato crop. Mm. So there was a there was a belief about that as well. Um, and I think that that's kind of what a lot of the fairies in Ireland were used for was an, an, a reason an for your, for your mm-hmm. horrible misfortune. So, right. for example, um, when children were taken to be baptized like if children weren't baptized they were supposed to be believed to be extremely vulnerable to Mm -hmm. the fairies Mm -hmm. so you would have to like you said about carrying a piece of bread you'd have to carry a piece of bread and a piece of cheese in the child's clothing when you took them outside of the house to the church to be baptized because you had to give something to the fairies and on in most of rural Ireland but kind of got pushed out to the edges to the west and then particularly to like the Arid and Blasket Islands there was a custom of dressing boys in girls clothing until they were about 10 so the boys would wear dresses until they were about 10 to fool the fairies into not taking them because there was a belief that the fairies wanted boys more than they wanted girls okay Interesting. so if you dressed up the lads they wouldn't be and there's actually photographs from the Aran islands from like the, the 1940s of boys dressed in dresses i wonder stop if that the had any from coming and taking them i wonder if that had any effect on their like gender representation. Um, i wouldn't think so because i think that at that time um the, it would have been so normalized you know what mm-hmm. i mean like if everybody would have been doing it mm-hmm. everybody in your community would have been doing it anyway and nobody would have um Nobody would have said, like, you look like a girl or you dress like a girl because that was all boys wore that. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I suppose a little bit like the way that the Romans wore wore togas Mm -hmm. and what essentially were skirts and the Irish wore pants and the Romans were like, oh, my God, what barbarians wearing pants? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. what's normal to you is is normal um, to your community. So... Just on the last kind of little life note, I just want to talk about some kind of Irish superstitions and ask you, Chris, like, were there some things that 
your mother or father said that kind of um just kind of odd things that they said a lot and it almost became a superstition and now you say them as well so for for me for example my mother always said this thing if you dropped a knife on the floor she would say a knife to the floor a man to the door and don't ask me where she got it from don't ask me like what it's meant to mean or anything but she would say a knife to the floor a man to the door every time or any time if a knife was dropped on the floor and I looked it up and apparently if you let a knife traditionally in Ireland if you let a knife fall it's a sign of a gentleman visitor coming and if you let a fork fall it's a sign of a lady visitor coming but my mother had no rhyme for the fork only for the knife only for the knife interesting no I don't think we had anything except for like the magpies were a big one obviously be waving the magpies the entire time or like definitely normal enough ones like walking under the walking under the uh, a ladder or um not disturbing a fairy fort would be one um no new shoes on the table no, no, we wouldn't oh, we be no putting our, on our, table. Sh- our shoes wouldn't be going on the table anyway. It was too high up now for that kind of kind of carry on. Um, I know, but like when we'd come home, say, and we'd have like a pair of new shoes, and you'd be showing somebody, like the mo- you mm. show your mother, you show your father, you couldn't put the box of shoes on the table. Like you had to oh. open the box of shoes on the ground and lift the shoes up, or you couldn't put them on the counter either. You had to like they had to shoes are on the floor. You know, oh that was... no 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 no! Oh, that's funny. No no, um, anything like that. My parents, I see my father. Like I know your parents are country people, but like my father, like would have so many superstitions, and my mother would as well. Like my lighting three cigarettes with the same match will bring you bad luck. Okay. Don't know where that don't know where that comes from. My father Why would she smoking that. three cigarettes at once, as in like of people around you. Of people around you, yeah. Like mm. if you shared, like my my father would say, um, save a match by a farm. Okay. And like he'd be trying to save a match, but he'd have, he'd share a match with two people, like with one other person, no problem. He wouldn't share a match with two people. He'd stamp it out on the floor instead, mm. or put it in the ashtray. Um, if a robin flies into your house, someone's gonna die. Okay. I've heard that from loads of people, and I actually know a few people who swear blind that I know a woman and she lost her brother in a motorcycle accident and she swears there was a robin in the house the day before he died like I've heard loads of people say it and I've actually Mm. heard people say it about um, rats as well the same thing if if a rat comes into your house someone's going to die um if your nose itches someone is talking about you yeah 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 if your palm itches you're going to get money oh yeah if your palm itches you're going to get money that'll be one of my mother's ones um and there's just kind of other small other small things like um I don't know about I've, I've only ever lived in Anglo Anglo Hibernian countries I've never lived anywhere except for England and Ireland and uh, or lived in Spain for a while but doesn't really count I think one of the other traditions that we have is um the kind of reverence that people give like passing uh, funerals and stuff Mm-hmm. Do you know, like, as in, even if it's not a person that you know, or even if it's not a person that um you have ever heard of, if you see a hearse, like most Irish people won't wouldn't cross the road like in front of a hearse. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They'd wait. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't um they they wouldn't like break. You know, like the chain of a hearse. 
mm-hmm. you wouldn't be breaking the chain of a hearse like to get your car in or whatever and um most people I I would know most people that would stop kind of like if they were doing something and there was a hearse passing if they were outside they'd stop what they were doing and wait until it passed there's, and I think that's a, there's a thing that that's happens another thing they turn off you turn off the lights in the shop yeah are you close are you are you open your door mm-hmm. and you go out and stand outside your door um I, I don't know if it was happening up here I think we talked about it before but like it was actually a lovely new thing that was happening I don't know if they still do it now in West Cork but like I don't know pe- people people not from Ireland um may not know but like Irish funerals are really important and uh they're very 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 well attended like you would always like you would go to someone's you don't have to be invited and there a lot of people from the community would go and during covid you couldn't have a full crew at the funeral so what they started to do was um they would drive around the town or they would drive through the town and people would stand out so like for instance i went to a funeral um and it was my cousin's partner's grandmother and we went into town and we stood out and because she was well known in the town like the entire town was lined up like in a guard of honor and then like all the shops turned off the light and all the staff stood out on the on the footpath and then they drove down the thing and like it was a it was actually like my sister was down in in West Cork as well and another situation happened where you know someone's father died or something like that and they drove around the town and she she stood out and she was like it was actually nice because you know you you when you're working you don't have a chance to go to the funeral but you get to like you know stand out and pay your respects Mm. anyway so that it was actually she and I thought it was like it was uh, it was a way of like bringing bringing death back into like in England there's a big um they really hide death and they really really hide it and I think in most like big cities especially but um you know yeah, we I don't thought, do that here no don't hide it no no I think what's kind of odd as well is that um in Ireland the person is dead and buried within three maximum four days unless there's mm-hmm. a Sunday in the mix on in the mix and in England you could be dead two weeks before you're buried yeah and it's very I think again this has to do with the respect kind of not saying that other countries don't have respect not saying that at all but I'm saying you know the way earlier you were saying don't be ill of the dead in case mm-hmm. they come back and get you I mm-hmm. think the massive funerals like it's a sign in Ireland it's seen very much as a sign of respect to go to a funeral even of a person you have never met if you know yeah. somebody who is affected by that death oh my god do you know oh, what like yeah, yeah people yeah. in England don't yeah. people in England and I don't know about the rest of the world but I know that people in England do not do that like you only go to the funeral if you knew the person personally and, and were and quite close to them sometimes as well but family oh my god though my in England you have to be invited to the Christ you have to be That's invited weird. so like I have relatives in England so and for instance um say a situation happened where it was your father okay mm. and your father died and he had remarried but the 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 mar- the wife the new wife didn't like you and when he died you weren't invited you oh, so good you, luck you don't get to go to your own father's funeral 
Have you seen This Way Up? With Ashling so. Bay. Oh, you have to watch it. There is a scene in it where she goes to a funeral and she is an Irish woman living in London and the, the person who dies was English. And she goes and like, she makes a holy show shock. <laughs> She makes the holy show of herself like it's so like not that she makes the holy show of herself, but it's just like, you know, she goes, she's like goes and she asks them if they want to drink and like I'm his friend, blah blah. And everyone is like, well, who who are you and why are you here? And I've only ever funny. been I've only ever been to Irish funerals in England. Like right. funerals of Irish people. Okay. I've never been to like an English person's funeral or like, right. you know, any of the other any any of the other people. <laughs> that I knew that died were all either first or second generation Irish and so they had like a wake and mm. like a proper send-off basically whereas like from what I know and I could be wrong and if I'm wrong now correct me somebody but as far as I know in England it's like about 20 people in the church and then they go home do you know yeah, like there's I'm not no sure I'm not sure I'll like, tell you a good one now Irish... though I'll tell you a good one. Go on. and this may or may not be my mother and if anyone tells me if anyone says this to to my mother I'm not talking about her I this is just some random woman okay may or may all right I'll say that the next time I'm, I'm talking to her yeah no bother. yeah 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 but anyway this woman who may I'll just call her my mother just for the sake of the story right um but she was going to a funeral anyway in West Cork and she looked at the paper got the time and uh said had to go to the funeral had to go didn't really need to go like she wasn't sure. She was just like, ah, oh, sure, I'll go and pay my respects anyway. Went into the funeral home, went up to the to the to the people, shook hands, sorry for your trouble, sorry for your trouble. And uh casket was open, of course, peeked inside the casket, absolutely oh not the right person who was oh, inside. Fuck. <laughs> it was her and her friend. So they both then knew, like, that's not that's not the person we know at all. So they had to then stand in the the funeral home and stay there. And like, obviously, then they were absolutely howling on the inside, but trying to like, you know, trying to think. Remain calm. Yeah, remain calm, like completely wrong funeral. And then it was after it was it was actually the hour after that they're the person that they knew. And it, was, it wasn't even someone they knew well. They were just going because they were going. I have a well, similar story. So funny. Yeah. I have a similar story of um, someone who may or may not be my mother. Right. Who went, who similarly went on, heard someone was dead, went on RIP.ie, looked at the time. And wait, 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 wait. Please explain what RIP.ie is for everyone. Oh, okay. For those of you who are not from Ireland, RIP.ie is an online death notice yeah. website. So yeah. every funeral home in Ireland, whenever they have a person who's passed away, they put the details of that person, their family and the arrangements for the funeral up online so that mm. anybody around the country can um, find it. You this can is how obsessed find, we are with death. You can find anyone's <laughs> funeral details yeah. across Ireland. And sometimes like, even, definitely... and they also put a live stream to the funeral mass as well. Yeah, so you can yeah, watch yeah. the funeral mass if you want COVID. to. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we also have the death notices in the in every paper and then also played four or five times a day on rural radio stations. Yeah, yeah, World well, um, 3 FM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, Shannon's died FM. today. Yeah. <laughs> Deaths in the community today are. And yeah. then 
there. Yeah. So anyway, my mother saw the may or may not be my mother. I mean, um, saw the time and said, OK, I'll go to that there now. Um, it was that evening. So she was like, oh, jeepers, I better run. So she put on all her lad rags or whatever. I went down and was approaching the house and there were no lights on in the house. And she was like, well, this is fucking weird. Got closer to the house. Still no lights on. No cars out the front. She went up to the door, knocked. And the woman answered and was like, yes. And my mom was like, straight away, she just went, oh, I'm so sorry, I have the wrong house and walked away. It was the right house. She'd gotten the day wrong. The removal had been the night before. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to say that it's there for a second now. She got, got completely got the wrong person and then the person who came to the door was the person who she thought was dead. No, 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 no. Oh, it was the no. night before. And she came up to the house and she was like, I can never show my face there again. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, they're no, not even going to remember you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You'd be in your head, like you'd be absolutely traumatized. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, so she thinks funny. she got away with it, but she was still like, this is, this is awful. This is, this is awful. Yeah. yeah. I think the funniest awful. thing, not that it's funny. I mean, I think it's great. I actually, you know, uh, the common thing, common joke is like people check the death notices first on the paper and stuff. And like, obviously it's like, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing service. And I think that it's great that we are, so we talk about death and the rest of it. But I think the funny thing about RIP.ie is that it rhymes. RIP.ie, there's just something about that, that to me is like absurd. You know what I mean? Like there's that Irish absurdism again, cropping up like RIP. I in no other country in the world would it have taken off like it took off but it's here. like why like, did they choose r.i.p like why did they choose why did they have r.i.p r.i.p they could have like death notice they could have had death notice of ireland but they paid i know r.i.p is so much more catchy it sounds like like an insurance company or something it does like that is just honestly it tickles me the r.i.p.ie makes me laugh i'm sorry i'm sorry they've made some amount of money off it as well like i see smart idea so smart such a smart idea yeah 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 so that was our little podcast on fairies and kind of why ireland didn't have comparatively that many witch hunts they had about over the years probably less than a dozen um whereas somewhere like england had thousands upon thousands upon thousands Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. big difference and main difference being that we didn't attribute much magic to witches we attributed it to nadini maha or nadini ushla and I think that that belief is still quite strong, even in people who wouldn't openly admit to believing they still wouldn't cut down a fairy tree or so go to a fairy, fairy, fairy fort. Yeah, 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 yeah. I certainly wouldn't anyway. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah, and we'll be back soon with more information and mm-hmm. more, more debate and chat. So uh, follow us um, on all our socials. And yeah. thank you so much for listening, guys. Happy, happy Samhain, happy Halloween, and stay happy safe. Halloween. Stay safe out there. Okay. Bye, 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 bye.